Do you ever wonder what this world is made of? Sure, there's rocks and dirt beneath our feet, but where did they come from? Did they just spring into existence one day, or have they always been here? I mean, most folks will tell you the gods made the world. But what does that mean? What did they make it from? Are they just entirely omnipotent beings? If so, what are they made from? Where did they come from? Maybe I shouldn't worry about such things. After all, it's not really a personal concern for me. But it matters to you, and to the gods, and to all the stories I've heard and told you. If all that is built on an unsteady foundation, well, don't build well for anybody. To an Atlas of the World Unknown, an actual play podcast centered on imaginative world building and emergent storytelling. Uh, I'm joined today by Haley. Hello. And Evan. Hey. And Evan is the person who wrote our wonderful theme song, so shout outs to Evan. Woo! And today we're going to be playing a game called Dodecahedraverse, which is a game that I wrote. This is a game of gods, creation myths, and free will. Together, we will collaboratively tell the story of the creation of the world until eventually our influence as the gods that create this world is overcome by our own mortal creations. So, the first step is setting up. We've already got the space all set up. We should chat briefly about what sorts of gods we're interested in portraying and what the starting state of the world should be. Would we rather start with a barren world or but nothing but the unending void of nothing. We should also take a moment to discuss uh, comfort levels with role-playing and any subjects we want to avoid in play. Uh, it's good to set these boundaries now, because this game kind of uh, gives lots of people uh, complete narrative control during their turns. So, uh, just real quick, I don't... If we introduce, like, a group of mortal beings, I would rather not have them just be utterly destroyed i don't want to go sure. there <laughs> that's fair like, normally that's not something that you feel like you have to worry about in these games but especially in the sequel game to this where you do the end of the world that is a actual concern that i've run into <laughs> uh but yeah what sort of beings are these gods that's a good question um, my first instinct was something like a god of night and the evening. Um, hmm. I kind of didn't have a whole lot more than that, but I kind of had a picture in my brain of something like a weird blue skeleton dude with like a yellow like bird on its shoulder, and the bird's the one that talks. Ooh, that's really good. Uh, so if we hop over to the creating a god module that I've linked mm -hmm. in the doc you'll see that you have several things to fill out for your god. Um, a name and also pronouns for your god, 
Uh, one note on the pronouns is pro- don't fall back on male pronouns as a default, because it's much more likely that gods who created the world don't have a concept of gender. Sure. So they, them is a comfortable, neutral pronoun, but feel free to also gender your god if you feel like that makes sense. But actually take that into consideration rather than just defaulting to he. Um, We probably don't need to worry about drawing symbols for our gods, but that's something to think about. Uh, your god's domain is uh, their specific realm of expertise and power. So like you were saying, like night and evening or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say possible domains could range from lightning to birds and trees to luck to small things jammed in drawers. <laughs> uh, domains are not limiting factors as gods can pretty much do as they please, but they provide direction and motivation. Yeah, that's what was tripping me up the most. I really kind of didn't know what... It, it, like, it was hard for me to get a sense of sort of what a good domain would be without kind of getting into stuff first. Um, yes. And especially with this game, you don't necessarily need to fill in your domain now. That might become clear as the game goes on. Awesome. Also, you will need a need and a want for your god. So your god's need is kind of their source of power and continued existence. If they lose access to this need, they would be greatly weakened until they can find another source to provide it. Uh, potential needs could include faith, transactions, sacrifice, or mountains. Your need may or may not be connected to your domain. And then on the other side of that is your want, uh, which you put on the right side of your card. The need goes on the left. I think I have them all listed. Yeah. I as a person just need mountains. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, your god's want is their greatest desire and vision for the world. Wants should be large and actionable. So most of the things that your god does should be justifiable with that want. Potential wants could include worship, chaos, mathematical discovery, or great works of art. But feel free to go weirder with that, too. Sure thing. Let me think about this. Lastly, you'll write three descriptive adjectives of under the domain of your god. These are general descriptors of your god's appearance and personality. While gods are fluid in appearance and action, these adjectives should always be true to their current form. And I have a nice little list of potential adjectives like bold, brassy, petty, stingy, unsettling, chilly, jealous, on fire, sneaky, or marbled. Those are just a few possibilities. So yeah, we should take some time to figure out what these gods are. Needs and wants are hard. Yes, they are. And feel free to keep at least one of those not filled in yet. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes, like, if these gods are here before the creation of the world, their needs might not necessarily make sense right now. Right. So it's okay to leave that blank. What are we feeling about that? Are we kind of starting with with terrain as such, or are we void people? Uh, I don't know. Haley, do you have any thoughts? Um, hmm. I think it would be kind of interesting to just be in a void, just because I possibly have some ideas for that, but yeah. Cool. I'm good with that. Same. So yeah, so if we're starting with an empty void, then maybe leave your need blank for now. Okay, looks like we've got each of our gods made. Yeah? Yep. Yep. Okay, let's introduce each of the gods that we made. 
Um, I'll start. I made the god Conflagrio. Uh, uses they them. I have left their need blank for now. Uh, but they are the god of fire and foundations. And so that can be interpreted pretty broadly. Uh, they are burning, charming, and egotistical. And their want is a temple, a home, a reminder. So they want they want to build something, I think is the general sense. We'll see how well that goes. Uh, Haley. Alright, so I've made Amalgi, the god of um, amalgamation. Uh, I don't have my need filled out yet. I'm capricious, ambiguous, and idealist. And I want supreme union. Uh-huh. And pronouns? Oh, uh, they, them. Okay. And Evan? Yeah, I made Ox, um, the god of evening and night. Uh, they are duplicitous, looming, and excitable. And um, they want discord, discovery, and mystery. Um, and I've left my need blank for now as well. Okay, good stuff. And we are beginning with an empty void. Okay, uh, I'll go first, and storytelling. So we're going to tell the story of the creation of the world. So we'll just do turns in a normal rotating order, though there are ways that that can change. Uh, when you take on the role of the storyteller, you n narrate and you focus on the actions of your god. You can do one of two things on your turn. You can narrate the creation of an aspect of the world. This might be something that physically exists, or something conceptual that exists across the world. Describe what they create and how they create it. Write it on one of the cards below your god. That card we will refer to as an aspect. Or the second thing you can do is narrate how your god alters an aspect already on the table. Write the change on the card and place it in front of you. If this aspect was previously in front of another player, take one strife token. So we have this pile of tokens at the bottom. And you will gain a few strife tokens as the game goes. You're going to end up with a few, so don't be too worried about getting them. But if you get a bunch of strife tokens, the game won't end quite as well for your god. After you take your action, roll a 12-sided dice. And then you can choose to take another action or pass the turn. You can take as many actions on your turn as you want, but if you ever roll higher than any of the previous rolls you made during your turn, your last action goes wrong and has an unintended consequence. You take a strife token, and the next player narrates how things go wrong, and then gets to take a turn. But you can always pass rather than pushing your luck and taking another action. Also, at any time, you can seize the Storyteller die and continue the turn as though it were your own. If you do so, you immediately take three Strife tokens and include in your narration how your god seizes control of the current action. Uh, as we go, we can grant our creations free will, which will kind of put a timer on the end of the game. But also, you know, that's kind of the ultimate goal. It's like, hey, we want to make things that make their own choices. Once we grant things free will, they were still start accumulating that free will, and eventually when we roll badly, they will rebel against us, and we'll deal with that when we get there. 
for now, does anyone have a good idea for the first turn? Hmm. Ox could make the sea. Very nighttime thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Let me do that then. Um, so I narrate the, the creation of that. Yeah. Narrate what Ox does and what is created. Yeah, Ox uh, in the shape of this like blue skeleton thing, um, I think descends on an empty patch of nothingness and uh, hmm, I think breathes water from their uh, from their strange mouth um, under the watchful eye of their yellow bird and uh, a great sphere of water is created. Okay, and then write that on a card and what do you call that? The the ocean. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so yeah, write the ocean on one of those cards below Ox. Gotcha. I think in the ocean there are, like, many bright things. Bright and small in the hmm. depths, and I think you can hear them if you were sailing, if there was anyone to sail. Okay. And then you're going to roll the d12. Okay. So just slash r, 1d12. Yeah. That's a nine. And now you have the option to take another turn or pass the turn. Hmm. Um, I'll pass the turn. Okay. Do you have anything, Haley? Or do you want me to go? I'd rather you go. Okay. Hmm. Conflagrio looked down upon the sphere of water appearing from nothing. They looked at it first with confusion and then with excitement. For suddenly they saw a purpose. They had been drifting for time unknown for with no purpose and suddenly they sensed that this was the place where they could build and so they lifted a finger and touched the globe of water and the border of it the air the surface of it froze solid into stone the center still remained water and occasionally it leaked, but they built the, I think we'll just call it the surface of the world, which is kind of a blue-gray stone. I'll write that down. Now I roll. I rolled a two, so I'm definitely going to pass the turn. See that there's two parts to this world. The god of amalgamation, Amalgi is going to do what they do best and combine the two. Um, thus, they take this part of the surface and mixes it with the inner core in order to make a spring of a liquid that is not quite solid and a, and a solid that is not quite liquid. What do they call this? Ooblek. Mm, <laughs> essentially creating a lake of oobleck 
Then I roll. Got an eight. I'll pass my turn. Is it me again? Yes. All right. Huh. Okay. So we got we got a real goopy lake. We got a lot of stone, and my fancy water ball is completely covered. Uh huh. Let me think here. Cause there's all this, all this unknown stuff underneath. I don't know what I made down there. There's there's just so much stuff, and I made all these little glowy things. Hmm. Let me see. So how does um, do you steal someone else's card? Like if I, or is it that like I edit it? Um, yeah. If you want to change something that someone else made, then yeah, you steal it and bring it over to yourself. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm just going to steal the surface. And so I narrate how I steal the surface from you, and I also believe I take some tokens, right? Yes, you gain one strife, and then you narrate how Ox alters the surface. All right. So does um does Conflagrio like have a, a visual appearance right now? Uh, I think it's shifting. I don't think I want to nail anything down right now. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So this sort of, hmm, I mean, it's interesting to me, like, what, what these things perceive of each other. Like, if you're this kind of amorphous force, like, do you have, like, an identity associated with you? Uh, yeah, I think Conflagrio has some sort of identity. I think that will crystallize as the world forms. I see. Okay, so Conflagrio covers the surface and the stuff there's this melding of water and stone um i think the surface shrinks um to like uh encircle that that lake of goo um a simple stone ring around this point of amalgamation between the two okay so write that change on the surface gotcha and then roll that's a seven that's lower uh, just on your current turn. Oh, gotcha. Things go wrong. Okay. Um, hmm. I think I'm going to push my luck then. I'm going to do one more thing. Um, let me see here. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Um, I think uh, from that uh, from that ring of stone, um, stairs descending down into uh, the the water. Um, sort of form unfolding uh, from that ring passages into the depths as such is that a new thing or an alteration uh, i think that's an alteration to the surface one more time okay or actually maybe it's an uh, alteration to the ocean it's your call yeah i'll add it to the ocean and roll oh that's bad <laughs> well you're safe i'm safe well, doesn't go wrong. Oh, it's higher. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Low rolls will lead to rebellions. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to push my luck anymore. Uh, pass my turn. Conflagrio looked down upon this ball that they had tried to make their own world and then had promptly stolen back away by the strange skeleton down below. And they thought, why not create... A world of my own and they decided that they had a mouth and opened that mouth and just as before let out a breath but this breath was flame 
and a brilliant sphere of flame came into being. The sphere we now call the sun. I rolled a two. (laughs) And I'm going to go again. (laughs) They took such joy in creating the sun that they thought, why, I should create yet another world and this time try to build it from something other than fire. Though the fire was beautiful and flickering. And so they opened their mouth and let out another breath. And this time, the breath was uh, the opposite of fire, which is ice. Not even ice as we understand it, but ice as in pure cold. If fire is pure heat, then what they opened their mouth to release was the pure opposite. And I'm going to roll before I describe anything more, because I think this will go wrong. Does. (laughs) So I get one strife. As I try to make, um, I don't know, I don't want to just call this the moon that's two on the nose. Um, they called it Arvine. And Haley, you get to describe how this goes wrong, or unexpectedly. I think as you try to create another world, you realize that that isn't really your domain to make something, something opposite to flame. Um... And instead of creating another world of ice, you create yet another sun. Okay, so I'll write another sun on that. <laughs> so, yes, the cold soon turned to heat. And now you get to take your turn. Amalgia looks displeased with the sudden separation of these different elements. And so... They pick one of the suns from the sky and put it to the center of of this water oobleck world that we have. And the stairs that were leading down from the surface go directly to the sun that is now in the center of the world. Is it the sun or is it Arvine? Mm, I think I'm more fascinated with Arvine. Okay, so you steal that card? Get one strife and write your change on it. Alright, now I gotta roll. I think I'm pleased with this change, and so I'm I'll pass my turn. Alright. See the thing is, for things to be mysterious, they probably should be separate. You can't have mystery without difference. That's something to find, you know. Hmm. But mystery also means that. Something needs to discover it. Yeah, I think I think Ox is going to uh, appear at that lake of goo and fashion from this ooze um, sculptures, sculptures that move um, slowly. They they walk the path in perpetual motion uh, down into the sun to be consumed by it. Yeah. Uh, have y'all ever played Lemmings? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what we're going for here. I think they're vaguely human-shaped. What do you call these things? Oh, what's a good name? They're figments. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Gotta roll. 
Ox is pleased with this development and will pass his turn. <laughs> okay. Conflagrio was initially disappointed with the fate of Arvine. They had expected to just continue to build different worlds of different substances all throughout the sky. But they realized that if they could not perfect one, why work on the others? So they set about to make the sun a proper home. And they worked to build, um, yes, a home on the sun. And so they constructed tall pillars, high pointed roofs, so large it could be seen from the world below. Uh, and they called this, um, the, the solar palace. And upon completion, they found themselves for the first time in a contained form rather than across the entire sky. For now the palace was their form. Now roll. I rolled an eight. Hmm. They looked down below at the motion. I'm going to take another turn. They looked down below at the motion as these strange figments walked into Arvine. And they asked, Why should this be the end of a figment when it enters my own realm? And so they forged a connection. They took Arvine and connected it to the sun, made the two one. And so any being now that walked into Arvine found itself in the solar palace. So I will make that as a change to the solar palace that it is now connected to Arvine. Except I rolled a nine, so something goes wrong. So I get another strife. Always good. And Haley or Evan, either of you can describe how this goes wrong. Or not wrong so much as awry. Just not what Conflagrio wanted. Hmm. What if they, um, I mean, they could inhabit your palace. Like, is that a thing you don't want? Uh, yeah. Do you want to expand on that at all? Um, I'm kind of thinking that they, uh, well, what's your palace like? Like, is it furnished? Is it, like, set up for people? Like, what, when you say palace, what is it? That's a good question. Um, I think there's pillars rising, like, just incomprehensibly tall. You know, like, if you're in there, it's like a redwood forest, except it's cool. pillars all built of fire, because this is all built of the same stuff as the sun. And, um, I don't think there are, there's like accommodations or anything. I think there's just pillars, walls, a roof. It's like, kind of like, you know, like ancient Roman or Greek architecture, where it's all more of a temple than a place where someone would live or a place where someone would rule. I mean, it could just be full of these like vaguely humanoid goop things like when i say full i mean like filling up the entire space because there's just a lot of them they're unending i like that a lot so i'll write down filled with figments and Haley, it's your turn okay magi is is liking the perpetual motion that was happening before um and wants to continue that motion, having 
one place just be filled with figments one after another isn't as pleasing. So, they set up a set of stairs from the Lake of Ubak from which the figments came to Arvine, giving them the chance to continue their movement and continue moving from the lake to Arvine to the sun and back. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> uh, which card does that go on? Mm. Or is that a new card? I gotta write it on the Lake of Ublet card. Okay. Does Amalgi have a physical form? Amalgi is um, uncomprehensible. They are made of seemingly so many parts that nobody can really explain what they look like. Were they the lights in the ocean? As far as Amalgi is concerned, Amalgi is everything. Okay, cool. Wait, did you build stairs to Arvine or stairs to the Solar Palace? I built stairs to the Solar Palace, so that way there's stairs from the Lake of Ublek to Arvine, then from Arvine to the Solar Palace, and from the Solar Palace okay. back to the lake. So the, basically they're just moving in a triangular motion. Mm-hmm. So that also means now there's just a giant staircase rising into the sky up to the sun. Yes. It's <laughs> awesome. Okay, you should roll. I'm going to pass my turn. Hmm, let's see. Ox is very pleased by all of this. This looks like motion. It looks like discovery. It's great. It's almost like there's... I don't know, some semblance of, of activity going on. Um, hmm. I think Ox... <sighs> but I think Ox is lonely right now. Like, this is all this is all good. Like, all this making stuff, all this stuff appearing is, is, is fine and fun. But, I mean, it's not... Hmm. I think, okay, first of all, I think Ox goes to the Solar Palace to witness the the sort of other end of this circuit that the figments are going on and uh, sort of looks up at this big thing as as these goop thingies are slowly draining out of it, uh, <laughs> going down the staircase and stuff. Um, I think Ox uh, sort of cackles to themselves for a second. Um, can I can I do this, Paul? I want to I want to make um, a conflagrio a body yeah totally i want to contain them um which they're already contained within the palace yeah but, but i want to make them more. like yeah like a kind of person-y kind of thing or something i can talk to mm -hmm. yeah would i put that on like my card or something or, or one of my cards yeah that would be one of your cards gotcha oh yeah your body's under my control that's awesome what does this body look like Ooh, um, well, I think, I think Ox, like, pulls one of the figments from, from the line, uh, going down the stairs, and sort of, like, does them up a bit, sort of, like, smooshes their face into, like, slightly more human appearance. I think they look kind of mannequin-esque, um, but with very sharp lines kind of going up the face and up the body. Um, yeah. Uh. 
I will say that um, you've built a body for Conflagrio. It'll take another action for them to inhabit that body. Okay. Oh, man. I'm going for it. Uh, using whatever mumbo-jumbo these gods do, um, Ox reaches to the palace and attempts to draw all of that stuff, all of that fire into this small body. Do they ask or do they demand? They demand. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, give it a roll. Not very well. Yeah. Um, I think it works too well. This is the first time something had ever tried to communicate to Conflagrio. And they accept the offer willingly and begin to pour their essence into this vessel, into this body. Except their essence is still intrinsically tied to the sun. So all of the flames of the sun enter this body. And it is now kind of intensely hot. Like, about as hot as anything in the world can be. And I think as it simply just stands on the sun, it begins melting its way into the sun. Oh no! What have I done? So add to that, inhabited but incredibly hot. Yeah. Cool. Um, that'll end my turn. Yes. Hmm. The Flagrio's not sure how to feel about this. Especially from this strange skeleton. So I think we just found out why you're the god of evening. Oh, yeah. And suddenly finding themselves small and contained, um, they walked down the endlessly tall stairs down to the world below just to see what's been happening down here. And so much power cannot be easily contained in a small vessel, even something as masterfully built as this body. So the result of that is that the energy that fills Conflagrio begins to spread across uh, the surface, and the surface begins to sprout with life. And thus were the first plants of the world created. Just on the surface, not on the water of the ball. <laughs> Thanks for that. I rolled a nine. And I think Conflagrio spends some time doing this and is kind of delighted that they are now putting their own twist on this world as well. And I'll pass the turn. Amalgis, please, as there's more things to combine. I think they see the plant life sprouting and the figments continuing in their motion and are thinking, how sad that plants are stuck to the stuck to the earth and are allowed to move uh, as the figments are. And how sad that the figments will never get to experience what a plant does. And so, Amalgi combines the plants on the surface with the figments and creates its own creation, which is part figment, part plant, and who knows what will happen as they reach the sun. Uh, what do they call this combination? Hmm. I think a synthite. Ooh, that's good. Uh, do all the synthites look similar or very different? Um, the way that a synthite looks depends on the figment and depends on the plant that it's combined with, so they all look fairly different. And an important question we need to start asking is, do these synthites have free will? 
I may grant that in another turn. Yes. I got a seven. Mm. I'll take some time to consider and I'll pass my turn. All right. We got a lot of good stuff going on. I think um, Ox has watched Conthagrio's descent and into the world and with, with just a ton of interest, just pure fascination. Um, gets to watch, I think, real discovery for the first time, like occur on a sentient thing. Um, that's really cool. Uh, uh, I think um, Ox is going to make language real quick because uh, that'd be <laughs> helpful to be able to talk to this thing. What, what form of language? Um, hmm. I think it's going to be verbal, but it's going to be a sort of, um, a tongue that traverses, like, everything. Like, you could hypothetically talk to one of the figments in it, and it would understand you. You wouldn't be able to do anything about it, because it doesn't have free will, but it would know. I think all things would know when you spoke. Mm -hmm. And the name of this language would be something cool. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to call it the breath for right now um Ooh. because a couple of us have done the whole like breathe into existence thing now mm -hmm. got a nine hmm well hmm i don't know if i want to do anything else but i do want to just say hi to conflagrio yeah uh conflagrio is shocked that they can speak but they understand this language and they respond Hello. It's good to meet you. How are you liking everything down here? It is strange and beautiful. That is the best answer you could have given. Have you been all the way around yet? Uh, I'm working on it. Very, very good. Do you, would you mind if I just joined you on your circuit? Yeah, I think Conflagrio offers their hand and they begin to stride around the world. Uh, still conversing. Excellent. Okay, I pass my turn. Mm -hmm. But I think when Conflagrio speaks words, they take form. So when they say strange and beautiful, um, I think that is the birth of what's something that's strange and beautiful. Like in like in real life? Well, it doesn't have to be something that's real. David Bowie. <laughs> I, I was going to go more the animal route go with the man of war jellyfish oh <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I think they speak strange and beautiful and I think that's the birth of the first inhabitants of the ocean which are yeah something like jellyfish if jellyfish had teeth yeah yeah something like a man of war but I don't think quite as many tentacles and I think instead of just having a blob like, at the top of the blob, there's a mouth with very sharp teeth. And they just kind of drift peacefully. But if they ever encounter, like, a bit of floating plant life, they will consume it. And these, this is the beginning of sea life. This is fantastic. You just think of this? This is Ox asking. No, I just spoke the words and they were. It's not really that hard. Oh, I suppose not. As this conversation progresses... Um, Conflagrio discovers that they are feeling something new. They are feeling strangely lonely, for while Ox is a good companion, they are extremely unlike Conflagrio. They built what Conflagrio is now. 
and Conflagrio says aloud, Just as you built this for me, I wish I could build a child. And so the first child was created. Uh, for upon hearing this, one of the figments trotting nearby stood up. Suddenly, its form changed. Uh, not red hot like Conflagrio, but still warm to the touch. And it joined in the conversation. First, with just first, it took it longer to learn the language than Conflagrio, who had it almost instantly did. But it joins in the conversation, and I will roll. I rolled a four, and yeah, I think this child has to have free will, because unlike these things before, this was made somewhat unintentionally, and yeah. Okay, free will. Whenever you create or alter an aspect, you may grant it free will, giving it agency beyond direct control of the gods. Mark the card with a star, or in this case, change the color of it, uh, to represent that fact. Once something has been granted free will, it cannot be revoked. Aspects with free will have the following effects. Whenever you roll the storyteller die, add one will token to each, uh, each aspect with free will in front of you. So on my turn, the child will gain free will. Whenever the storyteller die roll is lower than the total number of will tokens on the table, the beings with free will try to rebel. And whenever you alter an aspect that has free will, you must take strife tokens equal to the number of will tokens on the creation. Mortals dislike being meddled with. So the first child is mortal? Um, I think it's something more akin to a demigod. Okay, gotcha. And yeah, I'm going to end my turn there. And because I rolled the dice, it now has one will token. Amalgi is amazingly fascinated by everything that's going on. There's new life to mess with, and more things to create. The Synthites are a beautiful creation of something mixed with, between a motionless plant and a continually motioned figment. But what if it could explore the ocean and have a mouth like that of the sea life? And so... She adds to the synthite, this jellyfish-like creature. These things are just amalgamations of everything that already exists. Exactly. You didn't make that, did you, uh, Conflagrio? Uh, Ox says, pointing to one of these crazy things swimming around. No, no, I, I know not. I thought this was something you had set into motion. Oh no, but I'm quite delighted nonetheless. And I'm also fascinated... With the aspect of free will, Amalgi wants these creatures to know the beauty that they hold. The amazingness of everything that they represent. And so they grant the Synthites free will. How do they do that? Mm, I think Amalgi speaks to, to the Synthites in their, in their own tongue which is a mixture of everything that they have already been combined with, mm -hmm. and says, be free. Okay, so the Synthites gain free will. should roll again. Okay. And it appears that you did not roll well. <laughs> no, I did not. How does this go wrong, Evan? Or how does this go awry? Hmm. They should definitely still have free will. That's important. Um... Yeah, when, once you give free will, it cannot be taken away. I'm all for having, like, avatars of these gods, so maybe Amalgi, um, 
is uh, implanted in one of these, uh, like made manifest in one of them as well. Ooh, can I suggest something? Go for it. Amalgia exists through all of them. Aw, oh, yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay, I think it's Evan's turn. All right. Um, hmm. Man, okay, there's so much going on now. There's all this free will going on. I don't know anything about that. I'm gonna get back to my roots here. <laughs> get some evening time going. Um, we don't have a sun anymore in the sky, right? Um, it is cold and lifeless right now. Okay, so it's a good good nighttime type thing. Um, I want a party. I want a nighttime party time. Go build party grounds. Yeah, we need we need a party spot. That's what we need. Um, I think Ox is is aware of Amalgi at this point, probably. Um, and sort of calls into the ocean. Uh, to ask if uh they will participate in a a gathering of all the sentient things. And as as they ask this um, from the water, uh, a pitch black sort of uh, stone emerges from it uh, in, in a ring shape one, one more time. Um, uh, uh, let me think. What's a, what's a evening god's idea of a party ground? It's really sparkly. It's probably really sparkly um, and black, and it's probably got uh, like really uh like tall pillars but also lots of seating there's lots of like just like nice chairs and like these the the sparkly black stone is growing to these like pillars and seats and tables um and uh all of the the plant life uh, is is sort of like uh or, or um ox gathers some of the plant life and sort of like spreads it across this thing to make it look all pretty and stuff um, yeah, I'm gonna make the meeting grounds. Is this somewhere on the surface, or is this out in the ocean? Uh, this is out in the ocean. Okay. I'm gonna call it Night's Landing, um, and I will roll. That's two. Hmm, I might want to do one more thing. Let me see here. We got so many things going on. No, I think I'm gonna call it at that. Um, and hopefully people show up. Okay. As Conflagrio and the first child sat waiting for this party to begin, Conflagrio decided to teach this child to speak its own things into existence. And they taught it the ways to use the breath. And so the first child spoke, child spoke and began to create its own children and its own family. And thus did the first child spawn an entire tree of what we would now call demigods. So that's an alteration of the first child, which means that I get a strife token, because it already has a will token. And I should roll. I got a four. Hmm. Conflagrio looked at this growing family tree, which was already getting kind of raucous as they prepared for this party, and saw that they were cold and thought my son would keep them warm. For as each generation went, each grew colder than the last, for they kept less of the original flame from Conflagrio. 
when they saw that all these beings could not sustain themselves. They also looked around and saw that the plants themselves were beginning to freeze, for they were the only source of heat, and if they were out at the, what did we call it, meeting grounds? Or at night's landing, the plants would all die. So Conflagrio sought to give their fire back to the sun, or reignite it while keeping their own form still. That will roll for this. I rolled another four. Let me double check. It, four is not higher than four, so this goes right. So the sun is reignited. Come on, Big C. It's too bright. How are we going to have a party down here? I think Conflagrio and Ox reach a deal where half the time Conflagrio will inhabit their entire body. And the other half, they will go up and inhabit the sun above. And they find a way to travel freely between those two spaces. And thus was the cycle of day and night born. I'm going to make that alteration of the sun. And that's the end of my turn. Amalgus, realizing the existence of other sentient beings, decides to try to make strike a deal with Conflagrio. Why impart all your power of heat and energy to one landmass when you can grant it to all sentient beings? Conflagrio, this is the first time that Amalgi has spoken to the other gods, yes? Yes. I think they say, uh, what have they done to deserve my warmth? I save, save it for only my favorite creations. It's not the creation that is an that is a com combination of all other creations worth more than just one singular creation. But there's no artistry to it. You simply take two things. I've seen what you do. This all makes sense now. You take two things and you mush them together and you don't worry about the results. There's no craftsmanship. There's no intention. The results have their own intentions. Uh, what... What's your goal for, from this? My goal is to have the Synthite also be imparted with the power of flame. Have similar powers to that of the demigods. Um, yeah, because this is your first action, so it can't fail. Conflagrio agrees, um, reluctantly, saying, In the same times where I grant my power to the sun, I will grant it also to your creations, filling them with warmth and life. Oh, by the way, my the first children now have three total will, and now the synthite goes up to two total will, because you rolled. I have a question about the free will when I inhabit all of the synthites. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> How does that work? I think they have free will other than my power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. And they tend to listen to my power of suggestion. And if you really want, you can choose to, like, speak through one. Exactly, yes. There is yet one other being that my synthites have not inhabited. And that that are the these lights that appeared in the water in the first place. I'd like to incorporate that and give them the power of light. I guess depending on, on how the rule goes. Well, first of all, you succeed in your action. Yes. But also you rolled a two, which is less than the total will on the table, which means we have our first rebellion, which I like this rebellion happening as the party happens. But describe your thing first, and then we will go into the rebellion. 
or describe the result of adding light to them. (laughs) So these creatures now have their own internal heat source. They have their own way of garnering energy through both photosynthesis and, I assume, consumption of other things. It has... It has the power of movement as well as the ability to go underwater, and it has the ability to converse, and now it has the ability to illuminate its own light. Okay, Rebellion. The beings you create will not want to be ruled forever, and will try to overthrow the absolute control of the gods when left to their own devices. In the case of a rebellion, each god must decide whether to quash the rebellion or to support it. So each of us is going to type into the chat, quash or rebel, and then hit enter all at the same time. So we won't know how each other vote, simultaneously reveal our votes. And the results, every player that votes to quash may remove one will token from all their cards with free will. If at least one player chooses to rebel, everyone who voted to quash gets three strife. And if at least two of us vote to rebel, the rebellion succeeds and the game ends, because the mortal beings have overthrown our control over the fate of the world. We still exist, but we no longer get to have absolute control over what happens. Otherwise, we'll just move on to the next turn. So, we each need to decide. Well, first of all, we need to figure out what is the source of this rebellion. What does this look like? So, which which is rebelling? Is it the first child and the demigods, or is it the simplites? I think it's probably both. Oh, dang. <laughs> Like, I have an idea for what the demigods are doing, which is um, they have started to get very rowdy. Um, They've gotten whatever the demigod equivalent to drunk is, and for the first time, they're not listening to Conflagrio. Up to this point, they've had their ear. But now, they're all of a sudden ignoring their requests. I think this starts to happen when Conflagrio goes up to inhabit the sun for the first time, for the first day. We've been, we've been waiting for this party for a while. Yeah. How do the Synthites rebel, or do they? I think they're rebelling and saying that they're their own distinct creature and don't need to be given any more pardons. They don't need to be an amalgamation of everything else. They're their own creatures at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, each of us should type a vote. Ready. Ready. Okay. Let's see the votes. Okay, I voted to quash. I voted rebel. I also voted to quash. So the rebellion fails. So first of all, Haley, you and I can each take away one will token if we want to. I'm going to choose two because Conflagrio is kind of a jerk. I'm not going to. And then each of us gets three strife, which is not a problem at all. <laughs> oh my lord. So yeah, that that puts me up to six strife, and then we need to describe how this rebellion fails. Or how we each act to either promote or prevent this rebellion. So let's start with Evan. How does Ox try to help this rebellion? Uh, Ox tries to distract the the other two deities um, by, uh, I think they make like a a strange little board game on the table uh, um, at Knight's Landing as this party is raging and tries to like lure the both of them into a game. Uh, how does Amalgi react? What are they doing? She speaks within the minds of all the synthites and explains to them, don't you see, 
As long as you continue to garner the aspects of everything in this world, there will be no one to quash you. There will be no one to stop you from being your own creatures and having your own free will. Conflagrio comes down to see their children and their creations bowdily dancing and drinking and ignoring them and quarreling and fighting. And they burn brightly as a beacon into the sky. So night has fallen and all of a sudden it's like the sun has come down to the planet. And they say, just like with a loud, gruff voice that no one's ever really heard from them before, cease this foolishness. And the, the, the children do, the demigods do, reluctantly and with definitely some frustration and some muttered, but they do for now. So the rebellion fails. No one even touched my game. I made it just for you guys. <laughs> oh, I think that happened before Conflagrio then noticed. Conflagrio played like two or three turns. <laughs> I'm just talking in their minds, so they're doing whatever. <laughs> and Evan, I believe it's your turn. Unless you wanted to take another turn, Haley. Nah, I'm good. I, I, I feel like like Ox thinks this is getting stifling. Mm-hmm. The, that these two other gods are being too overbearing and that like, their party didn't really come together. Just a bunch of demigods getting drunk. It, I don't know. It seemed like nobody was really talking or having a good time. And that's like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not not cool. Um, and also not very mysterious. Or just or hmm, I don't like this whole quashing rebellion thing. Let me think. Ah, uh, what the dissidents need is a place where they can't be found, where the gods can't see them, somewhere secluded, somewhere unreachable. Um, I think I'm. I think Ox is going to make a place. Yeah, I think Ox uh, watches this rebellion come and go and uh, departs uh, Night's Landing and goes up into the sky. Um, and I think from, again, from their mouth, there's like a cord of sorts, like a, like a, a long black line that sort of balloons into more darkness. It blocks out the starlight that's there. And I think if you looked at it, it just looked like pitch black. And I think uh, yeah, Ox is going to, can I do this? Can I take a couple of, of the the sentient things and put them there. Um, sure. Uh, if you're making the location like a fact of that location can be that there are sentient things there. Yeah, I want to do that. So I'm making the other side. So this is like a realm of darkness beyond the world or something. Yeah. Hmm. Total night. And this realm of darkness is somehow amalgam not a part of the synthites that are there. My next turn, what I want to do, if I, uh, depending on how I roll, I'm probably going to try to do it regardless, um, is I want to see if I can block the two of you out. But I guess this turn is just making it. Mm-hmm. It's a nine? Okay. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I want to make it so that neither, uh, neither of you can, can enter this place or see it. Okay. How, I like is, that. Is that. Is that, like, covered under, like, I don't know what that... Is it like an addition to this card? Is it uh Yeah, I'd say that's an addition like, to that yeah. card. Okay. Oh man, that goes real wrong. Damn. Yeah. Do you have an idea for how this goes wrong, Haley? I'm speaking directly to Ox now. I think you forget that I'm incorporated with all of these beings. Oh, I'm I sorry. I didn't see... I didn't even know you talked in the first place. I can do 
Whatever it is, I please. Whatever these creatures in this world can do, I can do. I see, I see. If you can see something, I can see it too. So you best understand that these realms are not apart from me. Well, we'll see about that. Okay, and it's my turn. Good lot of things in this world now. The surface was but a small portion, portion of the entire world. And soon the demigods and the figments that still wandered mindlessly and the synthites which now wandered purposefully found themselves cramped without enough space. And so the first child came to Conflagrio and asked, would you please make us more space to live? A larger space for us to expand and feel out where we belong. And Conflagrio did. And so they created uh, the continents of the world. The surface is still, of course, the first continent, but they created the other landmasses that we know today. I think they did this by striding across the surface of the globe, and wherever their foot fell, surface, like the surface that they'd originally created, sprouted from their feet. And they took great leaps to still leave oceans to not antagonize ox more than was necessary, but built enough space for those that did not swim in the ocean to live. So yeah, they created the continents. I rolled on 11, so I'm going to go again. And as they watched, all these beings spread across the world. Oh, demigods got another free will. As they watched, these beings spread across this world and saw them speaking even more strange things into existence. For this is where much of the animals and other beings we know today came into existence. They saw that this chaos, if left unchecked, would leave the world outside of their control, dangerously unstable. And so they took their source of power, not their fire, but the other fire, the fire that brought into the world plants and beings. And they pulled that power from from themselves. And just as their fire was tied to the sun, they tied their magic to Arvine and attempted to seal it away from the others who would use it for their own selfish purposes. And this sparks another rebellion. (laughs) So magic is tied to Arvine. So thoughts on what this rebellion looks like the second time the mortals rose up. I don't think I have anything good. I think the demigods see this happening and object, of course, and a grand argument is waged. I think the synthites also notice this. Something's being locked away and kept from us. And synthesis can't occur if there are things being locked away. Yeah, that's true. So in this rebellion, we need to each make our votes. Ready. 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 Okay. And this rebellion succeeds. I voted to quash, the other two voted to rebel. So this is the end of the game. So I get three more strife. Conflagrio is never not going to get strife with egotistical as a descriptor. (laughs) I think what comes out of this is this is the birth of the ancient accords, which are the rules that govern the use of magic now. I think Conflagrio was only partially able to lock away magic in Arvine because it lives in the center of this world. So it could not be kept entirely from the beings who live on that same world. But rules could be established, and thus the ancient accords were agreed to, with Conflagrio not happy about any of this, which 
set the rules for how to do certain types of trials and duels and is there anything you, you would like to add to how this rebellion succeeds um i want more i want more sentient things to go to the other side and i want them to develop a language that the gods can't understand mm-hmm. one thing that i think we got from another game is that the main beings that end up perhaps waking up on the other side are the figments because in another game, we had basically an army of shades or ghosts that came across a bridge from what we thought was the afterlife, but definitely sounds like it was the other side. And I think that must be the figments. That's super cool. Uh, we will get epilogues for our own gods in a minute. Is there anything you want to add, Haley? What becomes of the synthites? The synthites have garnered their own free will, and in, in that they mean that they should have the freedom to whatever there is to possess. And so they were part of the Accords saying we should have any rights to magic just as anybody else should have rights to it. Mm -hmm. And they still exist in all shapes and forms now today, yeah? Yes. Um, did they end up becoming humans? What we now think of as humans? Or did, is that something else? That's something else. Okay. That'll be a story we'll have to get into another time, I guess. Okay, finally, we have the epilogue. Well, after the game ends, each player rolls the d12 and compares it to their total number of strife tokens to determine how their god is remembered. If the result is lower than the total, their god is vilified, feared, and forsaken. If the result is equal, their god is lost, forgotten, or destroyed. And if the result is higher, their god is honored, worshipped, and misinterpreted. Whichever way you roll, you don't have a say in your god's fate. Rather, the other players will narrate the result. So, I'll go first since I'm sure to have a bad roll. Since I am working with nine strife tokens at the end. And I rolled a seven. So, tell me how Conflagrio is vilified, feared, and forsaken. I kind of like the idea that they're, um, they're contained within their body. Or, like, the, that they're, um, their descendants, the, the demigods... Um, speak words to contain Confagrio uh, in their body and kind of keep them immobile. And I wonder if Confagrio is like even like kept around as sort of a symbol of like of tyranny, sort of mm -hmm. um, in the old world. And but that that the body is still there. That is still the real body mm -hmm. of this god. Because you have to keep that there to keep the sun being relit every morning. Right. Oh, that's a really interesting relationship that. Uh, like, that people would have to a deity. Anything to add, Haley? No, that sounds good to me. Just trying to figure out what to call Conflagrio, but they are the chained god. <laughs> okay, uh, who would like to go next? I'll go next. Okay, Amalgi has four strife, and you rolled a seven, which means you are honored, worshipped, and misinterpreted. I think even today, when someone has a brilliant and unique idea, a combination of things that should never have come before, we say that that was Amalgi speaking to them. That Amalgi was their muse. I got nothing to add, that's cool. <laughs> um, I'm curious how Amalgi's misinterpreted. Hmm. What if it's like, um, the chroniclers sort of, um, they, they see Amalgi like both as this third entity, but also aspects of, like, oh, I got it. Amalgi's is thought of as the all, like, the god in a way mm. um and the, the other two are kind of shades or aspects of them 
Yeah, that's good. Are you happy with that, Haley? Yes, very happy. Okay. Because I know the rules say you don't get a say in your god's fate, but if you're really unhappy with something, (laughs) we're always happy to change it. No, that's good. Okay. Finally, Ox, who has exactly two strife. So you should be just fine. (laughs) Holy barely. Dang. Yep, you got a three. So how is Ox honored, worshipped, and misinterpreted? I think Ox is is honored by groups that are almost like cultists in a way. Not like the main main people, but there are people who celebrate in the nighttime <laughs> and and worship Ox for creating um their time of day and their place of being. Ooh, I know how they're misinterpreted. Um many people don't understand this story and believe that Ox was Conflagrio's first creation, not the other way around. Which means that the first child of Conflagrio is referred to now as the second son. That's cool. I like it. Okay, I guess that's it. We ended up with a world that is still a largely ocean world with continents all around, with a staircase up to the sun, which lights every day and goes out every night, and an empty palace up there that serves as a reminder of Conflagrio's, I don't know, egotism, I guess. There are plants, there are strange beings that live in the ocean, there are animals. There's a group of demigods who I'm sure go around and creating a lot more. There's the strange lake of Ublek from which all life was formed, or so we say. There are the Synthites who wander the world as amalgamations of everything. At the center of the world is Arvine, a burning core of fire and magic at the center of the world that is connected to the sun. There are figments who wander the world, and mostly have wandered over to the other side, beings whose amount of will is hard to say, but who were the earliest thing that represent, that looks similar to us today that wandered the world. There is Conflagrio themselves chained within their body. Where do, where is Conflagrio chained? Where are they kept? I feel like, huh, it kind of, it kind of depends on who's the one who, like, so I guess it's his, or their children that are like chaining them, right? Um, I feel like Ox has to play a role in this because Ox created their body. That's true. They probably have to, yeah, collaborate on that. Um, I think Ox. The thing is, I don't think Ox would want Conflagrio chained. Um, I think they keep them close to either Arvine or the the real sun, though. Um, that was the case with the sort of hope that they might be able to draw power and break free. Hmm. You wanted to rebel, just not to have it go this way. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There is the breath, which is still spoken by some of the most ancient beings, but has evolved into many of the languages we speak today. And of course, there's the whole other branch of languages, which were born from the other side, which the gods cannot understand. And off in the middle of one of the largest oceans stands Nice Landing, still set up as a giant board game on beautiful black sparkling obsidian. A place where creators of this world sang and danced and fought, and imagined a world quite unlike the one we ended up with today. But how we got there, that's another story.